Hello there! This show contains material which a truly free society would neither fear nor suppress. The language and concepts contained herein will not cause eternal torment in the place where the guy with the horns and pointed stick conducts his business. Definitely got to get Jerry. Uh, is that his name? Jeremy? No, Jeremy's his name. Jeremy. Jeremy. What about him? We got to hit get his tunes playing on our show. Yeah, I. I did you have the whole song? Did I give it to you? Yeah, we got the whole CD. Oh, okay. Well, we can definitely play this and maybe something else of his. Actually, he's going to be around in July, in next week, maybe even. We could like get him on the show and do an interview or something. Yeah, we could talk to him. He could uh, play live. Uh, I've got some other stuff that's canned, some stuff from the record, from the session that didn't make the record. You know, oh, outtakes. In, in the can, you know. Bloopers, practical jokes. <laughs> no, it's good stuff. There's an all-acoustic song, but we didn't think it was in keeping with the, the theme of the record, so we didn't, we didn't put it on the record. He's got a song called M Squared, M2 or something, mm. and uh, it's all-acoustic, and it's a pretty strong piece of music, and uh, I have it. Hell, we'll just play it. It'll be like the Honeymooners' uh, hidden episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Found uh, on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Well, maybe I should say it. I'm John Tellerico. This is Rich Wilgus, and we are... Bloodthirsty Vegetarians. But right now, I don't feel very bloodthirsty. I'm kind of mellow. What? You you blew it again. Uh, what did I blow again? Oh, <laughs> sound effects? <laughs> yeah. You want sound effects? Well, we could... Wait, we could... we're bloodthirsty vegetarians. Yeah. Silence! I was thinking the other one, actually. Which one? You know, the one for uh, listener, uh, listener, yeah. listener, listener mail. mail. <laughs> it's just campy. You know, we, we have to avoid yeah. the camp and, and just kind of uh, actually sound professional. Yeah. If anyone wants to give us any suggestions about other sound effects, <laughs> if these are too annoying. I sort of like the cuckoo clock, but we did want to use the cuckoo clock for listener feedback. And we got a few more and we, we're not going to read them just because they love us, you know, and you're going to get tired of hearing about all. We want feedback from people who hate us. So if you're out there. <laughs> Please, please, please email us. Yeah, we aim to please and annoy. But right now, we, we got a couple of nice uh, letters from uh, from Liz in Florida. Thanks, Liz. And Melissa in Chicago. Apparently, they're, they're listeners, and uh, they like the show, and they're going to continue to listen. Yeah, we don't have a P.O. box or anything, but uh, eventually, we're probably going to have something like that so people can send us stuff. I like stuff. Free stuff. Wow. Don't, don't just send us email. Send us good things to eat. If it's made of silver or gold, <laughs> platinum or plutonium. I, I don't know. I like paper paper yeah paper money's good we could go yeah that's true <laughs> green the green the moolah uh, so we're past listener thanks and that brings us to the tour the tour la tour de france as uh my canadian friends would say because yeah. i'm you know how i know the tour is next because i'm reading it on the big giant board of truth yes we have a giant whiteboard that tells us what to say we don't think of these things. The board tells us. That's right. We we just follow directions. We follow orders. Um, well, what happened? It was a good weekend in the tour for Lance. Yesterday's stage, uh, he actually came in second. He Loser. Was, yeah. Yeah. He hasn't won a stage. He came in second in the prologue, which was a long time trial by prologue standards. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the team won the team time trial. So the whole team, they, you know, they're 
very powerful. They won the team time trial like last week. And today, uh, or I should say yesterday, he came in second. And uh, it doesn't matter because the guy who beat him was so far behind in general classification. It didn't matter. So even though Lance came in second, he still uh, he still either took time out of his rivals or they didn't make up any time on him. And today was a little bit better day for him. While he came in seventh in the stage, he made up time on the guys who were second and third behind him. So he put another minute between him and the guy who's in second place. And that changed, by the way. The guy who was in second place moved to third, and the guy who was in third place moved to second. And uh, the big news of the day uh, was that um, his teammate, George Hincapie, uh, won the stage, which is great because um, in all of the years that Lance has been riding the tour as a victor, the last... I'm sorry, the last seven years, not once has one of his teammates ever won a stage. Um, For those who aren't aware of it, cycling is actually a team sport. It it seems like it's an individual sport, but it's not. You know, each team has a star. And in the case of Team Discovery, it's Lance Armstrong. And on mountain stages, the team works hard pulling him up hills, not literally, but he drafts behind the guys so that when the last climb comes and he needs his energy to to, uh, outdistance his opponents, the team has worked for him and they're sort of spent. And he, um, he's free to kind of, you know, ride really hard on the last stage. And typically the team rides for him. And, um, so they're, they're often not in a position to win a stage, but George Hincapie, uh, uh, attacked early. It took a flyer, as they say in cycling and was out for practically the whole race, him and a group of six other riders in the lead. At one point they were 15 minutes ahead of the Peloton or something like that. And then it came down to two men and, uh, with about 250 meters to go, Hincapie sprinted and, and won the, won the stage. And I was pretty excited because it's about time one of those guys won one of the damn stages other than the Lance for crying out loud. Yeah. I mean, the, um, the whole team aspect is something that, uh, when I was riding, I, uh, I didn't really know much about. And I'm sad to say that, uh, you can learn some of these things from movies. There's this, this really awful movie. I think it's called Radio Flyer. Have you seen this movie? American Flyer. American Flyer. American <laughs> Flyer. Yeah, Radio Flyer is a different one. American Flyer. It, was not that a, the Kevin Costner film? Not a great movie. Kevin Costner was in it, but it was about these two brothers who um, who were uh, battling some family issues, but but they uh, they were both cyclists, and it gets into some of that team team aspect of the sport. Good stuff. It had some great stereotypes in it, by the way. You know, the, the, all the Russians. Crazy cyclists, Russians. Yeah, the Russians all had beards and had hammer and sickle red jerseys. You know, it was kind of ridiculous. This was in the 80s, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Eddie Eddie Merckx actually made a, a cameo in the film. And mm-hmm. for those who don't know, Eddie Merckx is generally regarded as the greatest cyclist of all time. Even in the era of Lance, most people still say that Eddie is the greatest of all time. Yeah, he's got superfluous X's in his name, too. Yeah, he does. And his son, Axel, is a pretty talented rider who rides in uh, Rose? In the, uh, Axel Merckx. Axel Merckx. Oh. Axel Rose. Different guy. Guns and Roses? <laughs> yes. You know what his real name is? <laughs> and it's, it's, could it be more John Smith? I don't know. Um, it's not John Smith. Billy Rosenbaum? <laughs> you're close. It's Bill Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> Axel Rose's name, uh, as I understand it anyway, is Bill Bailey. Yeah, it's not a good so, rock and roll name. So that's the tour update. There's uh, there's about one more stage that has mountains. Uh, it's not a mountain top finish or anything, though. Those are often the most uh, the most interesting for me. There's some mountains in the middle of the next stage, and then it's kind of a descent to the finish. And then there's a few flat stages, and then the the second from last stage is an individual time trial, which if all goes well, Lance will win that. It's about 55 kilometers. And then the the, the day after the individual time trial is the road to Paris, where they go around the Champs Elysees. Say that for me, Champs Elysees. Champs Elysees. Six times, and then uh, and then uh, hopefully Lance will be declared winner. Yeah, he needs another one. Seven in a <laughs> row, never been done. Six History. in a row, six never in a row, has never been done. Yeah, yeah, he's he's uh. He's a monster. I think we got some tunes for you today. 
We do have some music, and even though I've been talking way too much, don't worry, we're going to let John talk in the latter half of the show. <laughs> I'll try um, to speak. Every once in a while, I stumble over my words. Yeah. Um, today's music uh, was something that last week's music made me think of. Uh, I recorded a jazz band when I was in Ohio. Um, Andy Woodson is the guy's name. He's a bass guitarist, uh, music instructor. Uh, he teaches jazz bass, and he's also a wonderful composer. And uh, some of some aspects of last week's music kind of reminded me of some of Andy's music. And um, I actually emailed him and uh, today or yesterday and asked if we could play his song, because I did a quick mix of one of his songs called Mad Cow. And uh, it's a really strong piece of music. So I emailed him yesterday or today, I don't remember when, and um, he said, yeah, just uh, if you don't mind, give me a plug, which of course we were going to do anyway. We wouldn't play anybody's music without telling you who it was. So yeah, this is uh, a song by a, a bass guitarist named Andy Woodson, and his website is andywoodson.com, uh, A-N-D-Y-W-O-O-D-S-O-N.com. And he has a song called Mad Cow. I think it's pretty strong. Here it is. Thank you. 
I'd like to apologize to Andy for the somewhat unrefined mix. I didn't actually mix the record, but I did a quick mix of this uh, for myself, and, and that's what it sounds like. And I'm sort of happy with it. It's kind of cool. Strong piece of music. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I hadn't heard that before either. Yeah, I hadn't heard it in a few years. I busted out a DAT tape, an old two-track like you know, digital audio tape, and, and transferred it to CD just for this. <laughs> hey, Rich. What'd you eat today? <laughs> What did I eat today? Well, uh, I had some pasta with broccoli, and uh, I had a bunch of stuff today, but you just saw me eating it. You ought to know. Why? What did you eat today, John? I ate a cow. No. Uh, no. The reason why I'm asking you is because you mentioned there was some Amy's sauce on that. Yeah, actually, um, Amy's sauce. Sex in a jar. It's great stuff. Yeah. Th- this is where I, I break out my love for Amy's. Yeah, I've been uh, living off of Amy's food last week. If if anyone hasn't heard of Amy's products, um, check it out. Go to Amy's Kitchen, amys.com, A-M-Y-S, it's easy enough. Yeah, they've got some great products. Um, Mostly, I think it's all vegetarian, and they even cater to some special diets like uh, gluten-free. They have a lot of products in their line, and uh, any of their products that are gluten-free are labeled, which is a joy for people like me. Because, you know, when we buy prepared foods, packaged foods, so often gluten can be little in little surprises. You know, there can be mm-hmm. little little gluten bombs and things like <laughs> artificial or natural flavorings. And, you know, it's it's hard to, to completely verify the chain of ingredients, you know. And, uh, and I suspect that the gluten bombs don't go off early. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. But I love Amy's because there's a ton of their products that... Uh, that uh, they make specifically to be gluten-free. And then there are some that just happen to be gluten-free, like their spaghetti sauce. I can't think of a good reason why spaghetti sauce wouldn't be gluten-free. It's tomatoes. It's some other herbs and olive oil. Yeah, and, and it's great because even even the stuff that isn't necessarily uh, what you'd call health food is still made from all natural products. Um, well, for the most part, everything in their line is organic. Mm-hmm. I mean, as far as prepared mm-hmm. foods go, I don't think you can find a higher quality. I'm going out on a limb here, but I think Amy's is the uh, the highest quality prepared foods that you can uh, you can buy. That's it's not, my opinion. It's not much of a limb. <laughs> no, it's not. There's not a lot of high quality stuff out there. But I mean, as an example, did you want to talk about that some more? Or was yeah, that I all did. You... No, the, the reason why I even brought it up is because the entire uh, week, uh, last week, I, I lived off of Amy's food because, you know, I've got the three kids. I'm getting up early in the morning, getting kids ready, getting myself ready. I've got about a 45-minute commute back and forth. Um, and when I'm in a rush, prepackaged foods, um, you have to you have to reach for them every once in a while. You know, you can't just sit down and, and cook pasta and, and make your own sauce every day, um, especially if you're a parent. Um, but, but I've had uh, Amy's breakfast burritos and I've had their uh, enchiladas. In fact, the enchiladas, uh, it's its sort of, it doesn't feel like health food. The enchiladas are <laughs> loaded right. with cheese and, and uh, great spices. but And all that goodness. Yeah. Well, I like, um, 
I know a lot of people turn their nose up and, and, and look down at me. Look down their nose as they turn it up? I don't quite know. <laughs> they twist their head sideways. Like a dog. They look up their nose. <laughs> down at me. And um, I like Amy's canned soups, too. When I traveled to North Carolina last week, I brought... One of the reasons my bag was so heavy and I got nailed with that heavy bag fee... Full of metal cans. Because it was full of cans of, like, Amy's soup, their black bean soup and their uh, their uh, split pea soup and their, their lentil soup. All their soups that are gluten-free are, are, are so mm-hmm. labeled and it's convenient for me. They even go so far is to make special foods for people with uh, gluten intolerance. They make a lasagna that's made with rice noodles, for example, specifically for people who who have uh, the gluten uh, intolerance that I have. I mean, and then they make things, you know, like spaghetti sauce, which they label gluten-free because there's no reason it should have gluten in it. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of their Asian cuisine, you know, microwave meals or whatever you want to call them, uh, they label gluten-free, and I eat those. uh, I eat those every once in a while, too. I really like their stuff. Yeah, and, and the tide really is turning because if you go in the grocery store, you, you can probably find in, in most supermarkets um, a section which seems to cater to to uh, health food interests and, and vegetarian and, and special diets. Um, the freezer section, you'll find Amy's um, Morningstar Farms. It's another um, group of products that I enjoy. I used to eat those a lot, yeah. but um, it's sort of, for those who aren't aware, Morningstar Farms sort of makes the, the soy fake meat stuff, mm-hmm. you know, veggie burgers and that kind of thing, except they use wheat as a binder in a lot of those. So I found that most of the Morningstar Farms products are, are things that I can't have anymore, but it's still good stuff. Yeah. And and um, there used to be, I think when I became a vegetarian or chose to become a vegetarian, there wasn't anything in the supermarket. You could just find the the, uh, the tofu in some sections of the grocery store, but that's about it. I used to make a joke. We have this rather large supermarket in New Hartford, which is near to where I live, and um, they now they have a, a whole food section called Nature's Place or something like that where you can buy the gluten-free foods and the, the, the cereals that aren't made from genetically modified uh, f- wheat and flours and stuff like that. But before that, uh, I always used to comment on the sheer size of the grocery store. It has about 1100 aisles you know these stores they're gigantic <laughs> and yet there was only one labeled nutritional <laughs> i always thought that to be ironic you know it's actually a tagline it used to be one of my slash dot taglines why are there like a hundred aisles in my grocery store and only one of them is labeled nutritional what is that saying about the american diet <laughs> the thing is it's accurate <laughs> yeah draw your own conclusions but what does it say you know uh, yeah well eventually hopefully um you won't have to have special sections for vegetarian foods. Hopefully that'll be just mixed in with everything else. You just have to look at it and it'll be vegetarian. You don't have to go to your own little special alley. I um, I have such an alley, by the way. There's a local store uh, in New Hartford called Peter's Cornucopia, which for my whole food shopping and gluten-free shopping has been my main source. I've been shopping there almost since he opened, 15 years or something like that. And uh, he's great. And when I went to North Carolina, I found a little whole food shop that had gluten-free foods uh, to cater to uh, to cater to my special dietary needs. Yeah. And you picked up something else from the Carolinas. I did. Oh, actually, yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit. Well, I'm I, popping this thing open. He's going to crack it. When I was uh, at the Biltmore Estate visiting the, the, the Vanderbilt Mansion, you people have heard of this. It's gigantic. It's about the size of a small planetoid. Um, Modest Living. Yeah, quite. They have <laughs> it was on a, the cover of Modest Living magazine, I think. It was. And uh, they have a winery there, the Biltmore Estate Winery. I don't even know what they're calling it. But they make wine. They do. They <sighs> bottle it and they sell it. And you know what? 
I bought some, <laughs> and John's about to uh, crack I'm it open. Struggling with this thing. The wa- the wa- the bottle is winning, John. What's going on? Show me yeah, some of that this, manly this is, madness of yours. Yeah, this is the Biltmore Estate Chateau Reserve American Cabernet Sauvignon. Savignan. Yeah, that's uh, an award winner at the. Uh, uh, Finger Lakes wine tasting from like 2003 or something like that, and uh, and I talked about that, that last yeah. time. Yeah, the people in front of me were from California, and they went, "Where are the Finger Lakes?" <laughs> so I'll show I, you the Finger Lakes. <laughs> <laughs> so I enlightened them. So anyway, John is about to crack this thing open, and I hope he I hope he gets done with that soon because I'm talking way too much in this show, and he has stuff to talk about. Uh, I've got nothing to talk about here. Hang he's, on, he's here, barren. Wait for it. Wait for it. There it is. <laughs> Never get used to that. I like that sound. It's kind of cool. Oh, I can hear that crystal ringing. <laughs> Ready to pour the wine too? For those who aren't aware, he's. If if this were a movie by um if this were a movie by um um Stanley Kubrick right now, I would be saying, "Try the wine. <laughs> Have another glass." Yeah, you might notice. Uh, I'll get closer to the mic soon. I'm I'm making myself a big glass here. You might notice every once in a while we'll break out some obscure references. That was the wine bottle hitting the table, by the way. Yeah. No complaints. Hang on. Let me try this. John's sampling the vino. Not bad. Very dry. It is very dry. I warned him. This is among the driest wines I've ever had, but I like a dry wine. No. It it retains some of its fruitiness. It's good, and and it's it's actually pretty good, um, despite the fact that it's 900 degrees. Well, on the way over, it's been hot in New York, <laughs> 90s plus, and uh, it's, it's not a dry heat either. <laughs> no, it's it's a bit on the humid side, and uh, I called the wine room temperature because my vehicle was kind of warm, and it was room temperature. It's just that it's 95 out. <laughs> it's a it's a hot room. It's a well, greenhouse. We have more to talk. So is the Earth, by the way. Yeah. For those who aren't aware, um, we gonna what? What? What do you got, John? What's yeah. next on the list? Well, I don't know. I don't even know how far this is gonna go. But we haven't talked about anything like this before. No, this is really serious controversy. We need, we need to have some like like uh, news intro music or something. Like with a typewriter <laughs> noise, <laughs> you, know, that, you know, something very dramatic. Well, actually, let me preface what you're going to say by saying this. I have a lot of friends who listen to the show, and none of them have broadband, so I actually make them CDs of the show, <laughs> and I, I deliver them to their house and everything. I mean, this is this is akin to people having their email printed out and delivered to them. <laughs> yeah, no, this is this is media on demand, and what it is is like what they used to say years ago: sneaker net. You know, you, you carry a floppy from computer to computer, and that's your network. Yeah. So my sneaker net, or in the case of summer. Sandalnet is actually hand delivering these these shows to Kim and Oren, and I, I mentioned them all last week. We took them the task for uh, for their views on the freedom that podcasting gives. <laughs> but um, one of the two of the people in particular who I, I are listening to the show um, wanted us to talk about politics or something more hard hitting issues, you know, something real because we've kind of been talking about us, the context of the show, where we want the show to go. And we've been reading fan mail by people who love us, but we want people to hate us now. It's not a big love fest anymore. Yeah, we're gonna. We actually want to talk about something controversial and throw some stuff out into the universe that people might have issues with. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna preface this also with that. You know, I'm. I'm not a lawyer, and uh, I'm not a, necessarily a public speaker. Though I've done that a couple of times. Um, so if, if I if I ramble a bit, or if if I don't um, if I don't have consistent points, that's fine. Send email. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk. We we don't because, mind criticism we because do not uh, fear it. Yeah, I always reserve the right to be wrong. Um, well, if you were right, I'd agree with you. It's one of my favorite movie <laughs> lines ever. Yeah, I came across this article, and then I started digging a little bit deeper. There's a few more. Um, on July 8th, Canada combat cyber hate. This is from InfoWeek. Uh, we'll put the links up on the site. 
Uh, the country signs additional protocol to an international cybercrime convention, becoming the first outside Europe to take this measure. Uh, essentially, what the article is saying is that Canada is signing up with uh, the European Union, um, and they're they're choosing to combat cyber hate. And my dog is is very angry about that as well. If you can hear him barking, I hear him. He's he's pretty darn angry. Yeah, and and on its face. Cyber hate sounds like something we all want to fight, you know? I, I'm not down with cyber hate. We actually have our own hate group. We hate hate. <laughs> we're, a, we're a hate group that hates hate. Yeah, we're the, the He-Man Women Haters Club, too. <laughs> um, but let me, let me pull out a couple of quotes from here. Please. Yeah, they're saying, uh, no one country alone can combat racist hate, particularly cyber hate. This is an anonymous, borderless, faceless crime. We've gone from five hate sites on the internet in 1995 to 5,000 in 2005. These are horrific sites. They're used for purposes of recruitment. They particularly target the young. It's predatory hate of the worst kind. I don't disagree with any of that. No, except for the fact either. except for the fact that they're making a big deal out of the fact that there were only five sites in 1995 and 5,000 in 2005. I'd probably look at that statistically and say, well, as a percentage, they're probably less. Well, it's, it's, <clears throat> it's, it's what a friend of mine used to call statistical abuse, too, yeah. you know? Just because um, there weren't a lot of hate sites in whatever year that was that you yeah, were citing. Yeah, 95. In 95, there were a lot of hate groups, you know? They just didn't have... I mean, let's face it. The internet started to grow. I got my first, you know, dial-up internet account in 1994. Yeah. So it stands to reason that hate groups would have joined the internet right around there in 94, 95 and started making their presence known. Mm-hmm. Not and that we're defending hate groups. No. <laughs> and and again, I'm going to preface that as well. We're not defending hate groups. We also, I also agree with the other statements in this is that these hate sites are vile, they're disgusting, and, and um, they really have no redeeming value. No, they don't. But at the same time, um, the American Civil Liberties Union, a group that I, I would, uh, would donate to, for example, they find themselves defending the Ku Klux Klan every once in a while. Because mm-hmm. while we may hate what they say, we hate hate. Right. They do have a right to say it, at least in the United States of America that I grew up in. Right. And and this is what bothers me. This is really the crux of the issue. The crux of the biscuit, as Zappa would say. <laughs> I, I really can't stand when groups will say, I don't like that, so let's shut it up. Let's shut down these sites. There, there's a, and and maybe um, I'm not going to bring out the, the names of these sites, but I, w- I was going to say it. Um, there are a couple of sites um, that are anti-homosexual. Rich is mad at me because I'm banging on the table. I'm, hey, I'm hey. damn angry here. He's, he's pissed. Um, and, and I'm pulling out our Limbaugh. <laughs> yeah. Um, there are these the sites that, that are anti-homosexual, um, and you can probably find them if you search for them. And this is also part of my point. If you search for these sites, you're going to find them, just like you'll find most anything on the internet. You plug, plug bloody veg into Google, you might come across us too. Yeah, occasionally. We might even be the third or fourth site on there. We're not first. No. Um but you have to seek these things out. They're not popping up in your face like Visa or American Express ads. And um, and, and it's a, a situation where you've got hate out there, but people want to shut up hate. You can't shut up hate. You can shut up the people saying these things. You can yeah. shut the sites down, but yeah, you can can't stop. You can't stop hate. The people are always going to be hateful. They're going to be spiteful. They're going to be angry people. But you're not going to shut them up because you turn their sites down or you shut their sites down. Yeah, they can still go to Kinkos and print leaflets and hand them out on street corners. And and I would argue that they have every right to do that. Mm-hmm. And and the second thing is, what's the crime being committed? Now, granted, a lot of these sites will do things like make threats. 
that's a crime. Making a threat is a crime. Yeah, the Supreme Court has already decided long ago that threats are not protected free speech, and I would agree with that. To what level, you know, of course, has to be determined by a court, but in in general, a threat is not protected speech. Right, and and this even goes. It's not just cyber hate that I'm I'm taking issue with. It's the whole concept of a hate crime. And Rich may disagree, but the concept of a hate crime is, from what I've heard, you're, you're taking a, a crime and you're you're attaching some other significance to it because hate was involved. Well, excuse me, but if someone's getting murdered because of their race, their religion, their their sexual preference. It's still a murder. The person's just as dead. There are laws on the books that take care of this. You know, yeah. there are murder laws. And yeah. it's, I suspect, I, and I agree with you. Uh, I, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Um, it, it might not be necessary. It, it's probably not necessary to have special laws that, uh, that, that deal with just hate crimes. And of course, how do you really know? I mean, there's a lot. To, I mean, if they're spray painting hateful messages, okay, then their intentions are clear. Right, but, I think but it's judges, vandalism. Yeah. I think, um, I think judges can take care of of things like this with the the sentencing, you know? I mean, you know, a judge has guidelines by which he can sentence, he or she can sentence people. And if the judge happens to know that this was a particularly heinous crime for no um, I mean, most crime I was going to say crime for no good reason. Is there any good reason for crime? But I mean, you know, if if a person was murdered because he was a homosexual or because he was an African American or because he was Arabic, um, maybe that should be dealt with with sentencing, uh, a little bit stricter right. sentencing, and and letting the guy know or the girl know that they are being sentenced a little bit more harshly because the intent of their crime was. Um, Hateful. Yeah, I mean, if if, if someone is, is is beat to a pulp because there was some disagreement, an argument, um, let's take the, uh, the the bigotry out of this for a second. If there was a a, a fight, the person's going to get sentenced for what's what's the penal code for that? Um, Can you say that? Yeah, penal code. code. <laughs> this is a family program. Um, but it's it's an assault charge. Yeah, there's some assault charge. Yeah, it's an assault charge. And if if it looks like the the circumstances were these two people disagreed about, you know, tastes great, less filling, who cares? It's going to be an assault charge no matter what. Now, if if the person was starting to um, provoke the other person because of their race, their religion, or, or whatever, then you can say, well, it's an assault charge, but we're going to send a message from the bench that... We're not going to tolerate these kinds of behaviors, and we also want to tell people that it's not appropriate to be acting this way, to be, to be inciting violence because of these beliefs. There's such a—we've uh, opened a can of worms, and— uh, And Rich is feasting on it. The, delicious. Um, <laughs> the, there's a much larger issue here we're not addressing at all, and why, why would you hate someone because he's homosexual or because they're African-American? I mean, there's, there's, we have a cultural issue in the United States that I'd like to address, and uh, you know, there's a very unpopular filmmaker named Michael Moore who made a film called Bowling for Columbine, and uh, I, I tend to agree with his, his, his cultural analysis of the U.S., but I mean, for example, he went to Canada. And per cat or per person, Canada has just as many guns as the United States. So, and they have like ten murders a year in that country, and we have ten thousand. I mean, it's three mm-hmm. orders of magnitude. So you can't really make the argument that it's gun. It's the guns. While we hate guns, and we don't, I wouldn't want a gun. I think when you look at an example like Canada, and and you compare it to the United States, you you 
anyone who has an open mind has to say, well, it's not just the guns. There's something else going on here. There's right. a lot of anger. There's a lot of rage. There's a lot of stuff going on in our culture that's not going on in other countries. Yeah, I mean, but- there is no reason for it, and it needs to be addressed. There's a lot of dysfunction. And, and of course, that opens up a can of worms that we could talk about for hours. Yeah, and what really, really, really concerns me, how many reallys is that? Seven? It's about eight. <laughs> okay. Two, what, three, what, maybe nine. A couple, three, four. What really concerns me is that by shutting down websites under this guise of cyber hate, shutting down um, any kind of speech because it's hate speech or or it's considered a hate crime, what we're doing is we're putting this stuff back in the closet. And, and These people thing- aren't going to go away. No, they're not going to go away. Hopefully they will. Hopefully we'll all be yeah. educated enough and, yeah. and this culture will change. But yeah, and for it's, now. And it's, and it's putting our heads in the sand, you know, doing the ostrich thing. And it, and I just don't think that it's very productive. I think people are are making hay of this. They're they're making political careers out of this. They're making legal careers out of this. But it's not really getting to the root of the issue. So. No, I, I agree completely. Um, I, I, I and having said what we just said, what you said, and what I said, I maybe there is a difference between a random act of violence. I mean, again, you still have a dead person involved if the if the act was a murder. Uh, there there probably is in my mind a, a difference between. Uh, I mean, we already have laws for like that uh, in the books now, the difference between murder and premeditated murder, for example. Right. There is a difference. Um, how that should be addressed, you know, I guess we can explore that in the future and, right. and, and talk it, about that some more. It, it, it changes the, the degree of the crime. And I think, and again, I'm going to bring it out. The, the penal code accounts for this kind of thing. You said that again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is generally where we go into the Beavis and Butthead routine. No, it, it accounts for these kinds of things. There's different degrees of crimes. Degrees and, of sentencing. Yes. And and I think that um, while our, our legal system isn't perfect, I think it, it it took into account all different extenuating circumstances, including, quote unquote, hate. So I think that's that's all I'm going to say about it now. And I would love to hear feedback. You know, we might have more to say about it as, as this progresses in the media. Um, I'll keep an eye on this. Um, I'm, I'm going to put some, some of the links that I've found on our site within the show notes. Um, there's the Info Week article, and there's also a, a statement from the American Bar Association. Wow. Well, that, I think, that cleans us out. The, the big <laughs> giant whiteboard of truth has no more bullet points. Actually, it has an yeah. empty bullet point. That's and for I, anything else we get to. And I think we're running out of time anyways. We're at 35 yeah. minutes Holy now. cow. This yeah. is going to be our longest show ever. It's all your fault. Yeah. Well, we can compress it so that we sound like beeps and bloops. Well, I could time compress it, actually. And nobody would notice. I can make it exactly 30 minutes. How cool uh, is that? But I'm not going to because there'll be some digital artifacting and we don't want digital artifacts. Analog artifacts are fine, but digital artifacts are, yeah. are just not good. But I think that's it. Wow. That was a klaxon or a klaxon. It's a Klingon? I was going to say that. You, you, you stole my thunder. You know, when I hear the klaxon, I want to just stand up on a desk and dance. Dive! Dive! that whole navy reference no i'm thinking the uh what was it, the outer limits or uh twilight zone reference yeah well anyway you've been listening to bloodthirsty vegetarians we have a blog it's www.bloodyveg.com yeah feedback at bloodyveg.com if you want to get in touch with us if you've got uh any stories Stories at bloodyveg.com. We've got email addresses out the wazoo. Yeah, and I've even put, a, put together another one. I don't think I've mentioned it. It's called tunes at bloodyveg.com. If That's you're a musician, even new to me. Yeah. I didn't tell Rich about it because I like to keep secrets. Wow. He's like that. But anyway, yeah. you've been listening to VIB. VIB.